Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to another week of the Ninth State Sports Show Lacrosse Edition. Uh, my name is Joe Marcellina, and alongside me once again, Dairy Field Boys Lacrosse Coach Chris Hetler. Chris, thanks again for joining me. Joe, good to be back for another week. We are recording this at Riverside Barbecue in downtown Nashua. Uh, you can send us your questions and feedback by sending an email to nhhighschoolsports at gmail.com or on Twitter at nhhsports. Uh, you can listen to the show every Thursday morning at nh-highschoolsports.com or on iTunes. All right. We, uh, we've got another fun-filled week uh, to talk about here. Um, you know, it's it's kind of try to think back to what's happened in the last uh, last seven days or six days since we did this. And it's, um, you know, it, it, it's tough to piece everything together sometimes. I feel like, you know, we had another game of the year last Friday with, with you guys playing Portsmouth. Um, a lot of fun. And it feels it like it was night. 10 years ago already. <laughs> it does. Um, I think, uh, you know, the weather, I think by now we thought there we, we might be able to uh, separate teams a little bit more. But, uh, you know, the weather has played a little bit of havoc with the, with the schedule. And, um, you know, and now, now we're in vacation week, too. So it's, it's hard to take, put a lot of stock in some of the scores that we're seeing this week. Um, but we are, especially in Division One, We're starting to see some tiers uh, of different teams here and, and, and a little bit of separation. Um, you know, when's the last time you had a, uh, a sub-500 team in your top five in New Hampshire there? Yeah, when I was counting up all of the uh, – or, excuse me, updating the records this past week for, for the uh, coaches' poll, yeah, when, when number two Pinkerton uh, slides in there with a two-and-three record, it's kind of – I mean, it, it just it, – it feels like it's been a wacky season in a way, um, and not because of – I mean, I guess a little bit because of the weather there, like which is weird to say because of how mild the winter was relative. Teams were able um, to get out on teams fields got out early. Ever. I think the fact that it's rained so much in the last two weeks is the cause of that. You know, then you have you know the Pinkertons and BGs and Exeters playing early out-of-state games that that they've got dinged on. Um, you know, so that's affected things. You've got some teams that you know have played six or seven games already. Um, and then, and then others that have played teams like have played two. hardly any. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So uh, it, I don't think Pinkerton's going to be sub 500 for very no, long. Now. No. But, uh, <laughs> you know, they definitely they, they deserve, you know, after after that great showing that we talked about last week against BG, I'm sure they wanted to win that game. But they definitely, in my mind, they are deserving of that, that number two seed right now and one of the top teams in the state. Um, I guess the game that opened my eyes was uh, happened yesterday with BG jumping out to a 15 nothing lead over Sauhegan on their way to a 15-6 win. It, it, 10 nothing um, in the first quarter, uh, which, I I mean, 15 nothing lead is a big one at halftime, but 10 nothing in the first quarter was what really got me. And I'm, I'm, you know, don't know for a fact, but I'm assuming that Sauhegan's missing some guys because both of their home games this week, they've been playing at 630. Both games got moved up to five, and there's no JV game, so I'm I'm guessing they were missing some guys. I know one of their defensemen, Jack Manning, was was out. He's resting up, uh, getting healthy. You know, he's a difference maker on defense. And when I talked to Coach Cameron, he said they just they shot really, really well. They rode hard. Uh, they had a good game plan. I think they really keyed on Sauhegan's midfield there. Um, and you know, some days you just have days where where everything's rolling right. Uh, John Lones is a, is a great goaltender, and they must have shot well because for them to put up 10 goals in the first quarter uh, is pretty impressive. So, you know, it would be an interesting – Sauhegan has a big one uh, with, with Exeter on Thursday uh, at Sauhegan under the lights uh, a little bit later of a start there. 
Um, or no, that one that got moved up to five two. Is that a five yeah, o'clock two? That's now a five o'clock start. Um, I don't know about your side. I will be at that one. Um, really interested to see, yeah, how that goes. Like, like we were just saying. You know, how does how does Sauhegan respond to that setback there? A lot of their goals came late in the game against BG. It wasn't, you know, it wasn't a back and forth. Like you said, they got out to that big lead. So how do they bounce back against Exeter? And then, you know, looking forward to next week, they've got a big showdown with Nashua South that could, that could uh, you know, set up playoff implications. They play us uh, the day after. And, and they've got a tough Timberlane team, too, at the end of that stretch there, too. So I, Well, and um, I think they follow that up the next week with a game against Pinkerton. Uh, the following Tuesday. Yep. So, so a tough, uh, a tough stretch here for for Sahih and one that will uh, kind of define their season. Yeah. Um, uh, so I'm trying to again trying to pull up standings here, and it's uh, a little, a um, <laughs> little bit slow. But um, you know, I, the um, you mentioned them playing Timberlane in that stretch, and that's a team that um, you know we talked about at the beginning of the year as kind of a dark horse to be a, a, Sitting a playoff three and team. one right now and they are uh, i know you know i know one of those wins is against goffstown which is a, a d2 team but that's solid a, a D2 good team, win though. good Very win good for run. them yep. um but to be at three and one um getting off to a start like that uh is gonna be big for them you know and that kind of gives them a head up on on getting a play getting one of those playoff spots we thought they might be might be yeah that south, south game is going to be big for them we talked early that you know they probably wanted to play that dover game a little bit later in the season the one they dropped there but they've got south coming up and then they play hanover and sauhegan and Keene. so they've got a four game and, and a rematch with dover so they really they've got a five game stretch that i think will probably define their season there you know, if they can come out three and two or better in that stretch, they'll be they'll be in good shape to try and get one of those playoff spots. They've got a, a, a date with St. Thomas later in the year on their schedule that'll loom large for them. Uh, you know, in Bedford, Bedford, uh, you know, a, l a lot of people have been overlooking Bedford and they play Exeter tough to a 12-6 game the other day. Um, so that was a good that was a good step in the right direction for Bedford as well there um all right we're ba i'm back up and, and working over here so um what i was trying what i was trying to get to i wanted to have this in front of me so i could kind of confirm you know we talk about timberlane being at three and one outside of bg they're the only other team that has one loss um everyone else has two losses or more in the division which you know just i don't want nothing to not to take away anything from timberlane but just is kind of uh, you know not what i would have expected two and a half weeks into the season they're winning the games they're supposed to be winning right now. Um, you know, they took care of Salem and team, Salem's a team that hasn't uh, won a game yet, but they're playing a lot of teams really tough. They've been a tough out for a lot of teams. They're scoring goals. Their defense has been giving up a lot of goals. But, um, you know, so that's a, that's a good win for Timberlane there. Um, you know, and then there's two teams that are sitting at 4-2 and two right now in Nashua South and Londonderry um, that had good wins. Londonderry, again, with a 10-5 win over, over Salem. So you can kind of comparatively – Look there, Timberlane beat Salem 11-9. You know, there, there's a little bit of, you know, discrepancy. I think Timberlane might be just a step below. We, we scrimmage Londonderry. They're a very physical team, well-disciplined. Um, you know, and Londonderry is another team that, you know, outside of that loss to Concord is, is taking care of business as well. Um, Nashua South with a 7-2 win over Concord here during vacation week. Again, that kind of a kind of a weird score there, but um, – Screams kind of screams maybe maybe some zone to me there and slowing it down a little bit. Um, zone vacation but, week. Um, yeah. You know I don't know if that was an odd, oh no I don't believe that was an odd start time but you know Tuesday afternoon, you know four four o'clock Tuesday afternoon game during vacation week is a lot different different than uh, you almost I think sometimes would rather play 
a 10 a.m. or 11 a.m. game just because at 4 o'clock you're, you're sitting around all day instead of being in school. Um, you know, but they, I, I think that that's, a, that's an impressive score for Nashua South considering that Concord put up 13 goals against Londonderry. They put up 13 against Keene. They score eight against Bishop Girton. So, you know, Brendan Pearl and that offense have been putting up goals. And for Nashua South, you know, that was a big question mark for them, right? Coming in, you know, their goaltending and their defense is a little bit green. Um, you know, they must have been able to dominate the faceoff circle and then really take some long possessions in that game uh, to hold Concord to just two goals in, in four quarters of play. Yeah, you, we, you mentioned earlier that they've got, um, you know, Timberlane coming up. Uh, South does that doubleheader against Sauhegan. It's a doubleheader with the South and Sauhegan boys and girls varsity teams next Tuesday. That that should be a really interesting day of lacrosse. You know, I'm I'm, I'm curious to see what happens in that girls game too. But that's I mean, that's going to be a big game towards towards seeding. looking at who that yeah. fourth who that fourth yeah. team is. I mean, we're we're basically we're we're saying that BG Pinkerton and Eggs are going to get those four spots or those f- top, top three top spots. Three, yep. Um, you know, but that's as we've looked at. That's that's not necessarily a gimme. If the other teams take care of business and and they don't lose too many games, Pinkerton's already got three losses on the season. Exeter's got some tough games. BG's got one loss already. So there there's some movement there. There's possibility if teams you know take care of business and, and don't lose too many games there. We could have a little. We may not be that one through three that we think. You know, one one thing I want to um, mention too when we're talking about scheduling uh, stuff. Um, you know, one of BG's out-of-state games, they were scheduled to play uh, BC High tomorrow night or Thursday night. Um, that game actually got moved to May 15th. Uh, so that, that game will be a little bit later in the year. So if you're planning on heading out there for that uh, tomorrow night or to Thursday night, uh, don't because there's no game. Um, believe it's been moved to a 4 o'clock game at, at Riv uh, on a Wednesday. So that should be um, an interesting one, kind of in a, a good stretch for uh, BG2 where they have Exeter the previous Monday, you know, and then they finish the year with uh, with Duxbury in North and South. Um, you know, any other, um, you know, any other games coming up aside from, you know, like we mentioned all the games that Sauhegan has, South and Timberlane, anything in D1 that kind of catches your eye yeah. looking ahead? Um, you know, I want to I give Coach Gardner up at Hanover a big shout-out right now. He's on a two-game winning streak right now. They had a nice win over Yarmouth, Maine, 8-5, and then they, they go and beat Keene, 11-4. We talked about how they're they're hampered a little bit with a slow start up there with just weather, field conditions, things like that. And it seems like they're getting things going here. Uh, the defense seems to be in good shape, you know, um, and now their offense is getting rolling a little bit. They've got a big matchup uh, come Friday with Bedford if if the weather allows it. We're, right now the weather doesn't look good for Friday games, but they've got a home game with uh, Bedford on Friday. Again, you know, as we're talking about those top nine spots for the playoffs there, that that's a big one for that. And then they've got uh, – Timberlane coming up on uh, the Tuesday following that. So two big games for Hanover there. But, um, you know, I like to see Coach Gardner and his team getting off to a, night, a good start there after a little bit of a, a slow opening to the season. Yeah, I want to change gears to D2 and go, and go back to, um, you know, we mentioned at the, at the start um, very briefly, uh, Derry Fields win over Portsmouth, 7-6 uh, game in what, um, I, you know, I, I, I feel very fortunate that I've been at, what I feel like are four or five games of the year already that I could, I mean, just, you know, meaning highly entertaining, highly competitive, down to the wire, um, you know, and, and for the first 24 minutes, I was wondering what kind of game it was going to be. Um, you guys got out to a 7-1 lead in that first half, which I don't know 
if anyone saw coming, um, you know, even anybody on your sideline, um, you know, maybe the the uh, most optimistic of parents might have picked that uh, picked that if you'd have told them. But even even so, it was just and then it, it followed the blueprint, I think, of of some other wins for you this year, where you get up to that that get out to that lead and then kind of you know hang on ride the wave yeah <laughs> uh, it's not really how we want to do it um really you know, no we, we followed the uh we followed our script and our game plan in the first half and like you said it couldn't have gone better than it did uh but to Portsmouth's credit they made some adjustments and and Cole Brahms is a, a great individual player uh obviously dominated us at the X and gave them extra possessions but to me that was the big story is we gave them too many second chance opportunities we had some chances in the second half to kind of clear the ball slow things down and uh you know we like to get out and run we like to play up tempo but sometimes our decision making uh needed to be a little bit different and maybe um you know slow things down a little bit and calm it down if we want to play the type of defense uh we want to we need to also be able to rest too and and that's not something we did real well in the second half there and it almost cost us uh but again you know, uh, thrilled for my guys to be able to be in a situation like that, to have to make a stop at the end of the game. Um, you know, I think uh, Coach Vischer, uh, you know, got, got maybe got an extra time out I was there. just, yeah, um, I was just thinking. I had me questioning whether I, you know, but, uh, I, I still, I, I feel like I le learn a new rule every year. <laughs> um, had me questioning if I knew for, in fact, how many timeouts a team got. In, in a half you know in fairness the things got crazy there and it all worked out anyway uh you know we made a stop when we needed to and um again i, I think our guys are feeling really com we, we want to get away from that but we're feeling really comfortable playing in tight games like that and come playoff time i, I definitely think that's going to benefit us so um we, we'd like to win by more but that's fine we got the w and, and we're moving on and you know yeah, the the thing the thing that got me, I mean, as 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 much fun and entertainment as the game was, and co and how competitive it was, um, the other thing that really stood out to me was the crowd. Um, you know, by by no means was it the size of a maybe a, a, a BG Pinkerton crowd or that one BG Bedford crowd when they the first time they played, um, but I mean, it was a very large crowd for. You know the circumstances. Weather cooperated. I, it was a fantastic I, you know, night. Uh, the fact that you know we started at seven fifteen, it let people get. Yeah. You know, a lot of parents were able to get out of work. We had, uh, you know, I, I know there were some there were some kids there, a lot of kids there from different schools that came. A bunch of BG kids came over. I think there were some St. Thomas kids there. A lot of Portsmouth uh, people came uh, out too. A lot too. of Portsmouth, tons of Portsmouth fans were there. Um, you know, and and heck, I I think you know there were some people there that might have wanted to see the streak go down. Yeah, we were looking, <laughs> to, looking to see it possibly happen. Um, so you, you keep things you know. up like that, you're gonna have to build some bleacher. You're gonna have to talk to the, the new AD over there and get some bleachers built on, on your field the there. AD, yeah, so we'll have to we'll have to see what we can do. But yeah, uh, it was a lot of fun. So thank you, thank you for covering that game. Um, oh, hey, hey, I, I games like that I'll take you know every day of the week. Um, was fantastic. Uh, you know, and and. It's it kind of, I think, uh, just added to what has been a very uh, interesting start to the season in in, in Division Two. Um, you know, you guys are up at, at the top there, undefeated. You've got Hollis Brookline that's undefeated, and then Manchester Central um, that's also undefeated, which really I'm glad you brought uh, yeah. that up. I wanted to give Coach McGinnis and Coach Sutton a, a huge shout out there. 
Um, you know, I think Manchester Central they they've got a they've they've got a big game coming up with uh, Goffstown on Thursday, a game that will get off. Great weather tomorrow, six o'clock game, night game. Uh, a chance for Manchester Central really to showcase what they can do. Um, right now, you know, midfielder Alex senior Alex Hawkham playing really really well. I think he had like seven goals against Bo the other day. Uh, Alec Kakabis, um, Owen McNichols in the goal. Um, they, they've got some really good players, and I think if teams aren't careful, they're going to surprise a lot of teams. Their teams should not be sleeping on Manchester Central right now. They're going to be well coached on the offense and defensive ends, um, and the kids. I think the kids are starting to believe. So tomorrow, I, I'm excited. I may, I may, uh, if I can, once we get out of practice, I may pop over and watch that. Um, my assistant coach's son uh, plays for Goffstown, Caleb Gorton, and uh, you know, so I know he'll be going over to see that game. Um, I, I'm excited to see what both teams can do. And if you, anyone out there is also going, you know, planning on going to that game, I learned this today. Central actually plays its games at West. So I don't know why. I had in my mind that they played at Gill. And someone said to me, and the person I was talking to said, well, they play baseball games there. And I said, oh, how about that? They actually play baseball games at the baseball stadium. That makes a lot of sense. <laughs> um, so I, as far as I know, Central Boys and Girls Lacrosse plays games at West. Um, so if you were heading over to one of those games, um, you know, make sure you go there. Six o'clock tomorrow, you know, West, be there. Uh, and then they they turn around Friday and play Merrimack, um, which is another interesting game. I got a chance to see them on Tuesday uh, against St. Thomas, and you know, I kind of wondered about that game. Would it would it be kind of a close game? They both have had some interesting results early this year, um, and you know, I think. Merrimack just got bit by vacation week. Do you think um, they were missing some kids? They weren't missing anybody, but I think just the f just being out yeah. of their routine, I think, you know, and, and, and not to take anything away from St. Thomas, I, I, watching them play, they move the ball really well. They get everybody involved. Um, I don't remember the exact numbers, but I, I got to guess that it was, you know, 80% of their goals yesterday or Tuesday had assists on that them. Was, I mean, Coach Hulham, when I talked to him after the game, he, he was really impressed. Said, you know, it was the most complete game his kids had played. Uh, really impressed with just the unselfishness and the ball movement. And, um, you know, it sounds like they've, they've uh, again, I think Sean has made no bones about it. They're not the deepest team, but they're, they're starting to believe and they're gelling together as a group. And uh, they've had some really, really impressive and nice wins to start the season. Um, you know, the one that caught my eye right away was when they beat, when they beat Merrimack Valley 8-7 to, to start the season there. Um, you know, and that's a Merrimack Valley team that's very talented that, that could make a run this year. You know, the, the thing that, that kind of got me, and, 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 and Sean talked about it after the game, you know, was that, um, you know, they don't they, – the, going back to the assist thing on their goals, you know, they don't have a guys that just attack. They move the ball around. And guy, if I, you know, make a football analogy, it's like – you, you say the quarterback's favorite receiver is the open receiver. Well, it's like that's maybe the guy that's supposed to, sh you know, that's scoring is the guy that's open. They move, the, you know, find the guy that has the best matchup. And, and a lot of their goals, I thought, were kind of from the perimeter, um, you know, which you, you don't see that's too good often. Well, and that's good lacrosse. You know, you're taking what the other team gives you, and it makes you a very difficult team to stop too. When you, when you can't key on one or two guys, it makes you a much harder team to defend when everybody can put the ball in the back of the net. Um, and so, you know, again, we talked about it. Sean's team at the beginning of the year, nobody was really talking about them, and they're kind of lying in the weeds. And now I think – I don't think they're going to be – I don't think that's going to happen too much more. I think they've definitely caught the attention of Division Two, and, and teams are going to be watching them. A tough uh, two-game stretch for them coming up with 
you know, you guys heading out there, Dairy Field coming out to, to St. Thomas, presumably on Friday. Um, and then they play at Portsmouth on Monday. I was joking to Sean, we might be playing water polo. I don't know if we're going to be playing lacrosse on Friday, but uh, <laughs> we, we'll try. We'll see what we can do. Well, I, I, you know, I'll be heading out there, so let me know. I'll bring my poncho, maybe a, <laughs> maybe a paddle boat if I need to. Yeah, it might be. You might be. So, but, yeah, they'll have, uh, you know, Port, Portsmouth has turf, and they'll definitely be playing that one on Monday there. Uh, under the lights, and that'll that'll be a big big time opportunity for for St. Thomas to showcase what they can do. So I think with it being uh, vacation week, it looks like a lot of D3 teams uh, end up with the week off. So in a, all apologies to D3. I think maybe we can jump over and talk a little bit about the girls' side of things uh, this week. Um, I saw what would turned out to be a great game uh, last night or Tuesday night um, between Sauhegan and Bishop Girton. Um, I, I wasn't quite sure what to expect from that game, you know, knowing that BG's gotten off to a great start. It's the first time I'd seen Sauhegan outside of, you know, kind of coming into the season thinking that Sauhegan might be, might not they, quite be I mean, where they were in years past. They, they, they graduated, graduated a, a lot, lot of, of kids. Girls. They're very young. Um, you know, only, I think they only had two or three seniors back that really contributed last year. Um, you know, and they came out of that game and, and got out to a three nothing lead in the first you know, three plus minutes, um, you know, and it looked like, you know, they were, they, they came out and told BG early that it was going to be a game. Um, they took advantage of some opportunities and, and, and managed to, to find the back of the net. And then it, momentum just completely swung the other way. Um, BG got a couple of quick goals, 5-0 run. It's all of a sudden it's 5-3 and then Sauhegan, you know, spent the rest of the night chasing. The thing that impresses me the most is holding Bishop Girton to 11 goals. I mean, that's a team that was averaging close to, you know, over 15 goals a game. Chumsford held them to 11, but other than that, 18, 18, 16 against a good Pinkerton team, 20 against Londonderry. You know, uh, Alex Lebros and Net, um, you know, must have made some really I good saves in that game. I think she had 12 saves last night. Uh, I mean, night. that's huge. Yeah. If you can get in, in girls lacrosse, if you have a goaltender that can that can make over 50% of the saves in the game, coming as you know from where those shots are coming from, that's really impressive. So, you know, that bodes well for Sauhegan down the stretch and, and going into the playoffs there. And I, I think it shows that, you know, as much as Bishop Girton, how impressive they have been. They are vulnerable, and and so are a lot of other teams in, in Division One this year too. You know, and I think we we talked about at the beginning of the year how it's been kind of a big four in girls lacrosse for, you know, the last four or five years. Uh, you know, and, and while it might be the case again, um, you know, I think there's a couple of teams. Um, the one that kind of stands out to me is Exeter that that might have kind of gotten itself up into that pack do we have a score on an exeter bedford game tonight do we get do we do we that, have that that's yet? a good question that, that's uh, going to be a big that's going to be a big one for us um there kind of show where those two teams are at because bedford coming into that game again another high potent offense there high octane offense again 17 16 21 17 goals in their first four games and giving up about six goals a game so I'm interested to see if we can before the end of the show if we can get that if we can get that score in there. For I haven't tonight. have not seen that score yet, but I, the one that I did see um, is a, another crossover game. Pinkerton uh, spent some time this week, I think, moving down to D2. Uh, they played Winnicott on uh, Tuesday, down. Uh, I want to say it was eight to four at halftime. They were down, come back and win 12-11 in overtime. 
Uh, so that's a you know just a fantastic win for them, regardless of of the split in division. Because you know I mean Winnicott is you know I I think if you were putting together maybe your your top ten teams on the girls side, oh, they're clearly sure. they in that be, top ten. They're clearly if not I mean I, I would I would put them in consideration for a top five spot. I mean I think you've got the big three in Division One, then you've got Portsmouth, Winnicott, Sauhegan's in that mix. They're they're definitely one of those. I mean, Winnicott has two one-goal losses on the season right now, and and they've got a big matchup with, with Hollis on Monday, who's also 4-0 right now. In a, a bit of a re revenge game for them, yeah. you know, given that, that Hollis knocked them out in the semifinals last year. Um, the other big game for Portsmouth today. Live update right now. Wednesday, yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, we need some fancy music for that. Um, Pinkerton goes out to the Seacoast and comes away with a 13-7 win over Portsmouth which, you know, as, as impressive as the Winnicott win is, that might be even a bigger one. Um, you know, I, I haven't seen Portsmouth in the regular season. I saw them scrimmage. I thought, you know, they, the way they looked, they might be the best team in the state, um, regardless of division. Uh, for Pinkerton to go out there and beat them by six, uh, no small feat. No. Regardless of vacation week, again, you don't know who, you know, what teams are missing what, if, if people are on vacation, but still. Uh, you know, a phenomenal one. I can't imagine that too many of Mary Squire's girls went on vacation knowing that Pinkerton was on the schedule there. So I got to think that that was uh, that was a straight up win. And so that's a that's a for Coach Daziel. That's that's a great win for them. And you know, that's kind of um, I think influenced the seeding the last couple of years is Portsmouth going up and challenging itself against some of those D1 teams. I don't think they've lost to a D2 team during their championship run here of the last two years. I think all of their losses have been against D1 teams. I believe you're and correct. it has dropped them to the two seed the last two years, which, you know. You're still getting home, you're, yeah. Yeah, you're still getting home games up until, up until they become neutral site anyway. You're, you're playing on turf. So to me, I mean, that's kind of what we were talking about this year, whereas like, you know, in, in Division One on the boys and in, in Division Two on the boys' side, there could be some shakeups where maybe the teams you expect to be the one and two seeds aren't, aren't going to be there. But really, as long as you're getting, as long as you're getting those buys and those those first and second round home games, it really doesn't make that much of a difference. And as we've talked about, you know, in the end, if you're playing a team earlier, well, maybe you would have liked to play them in the championship. But if you don't beat them, then then you weren't yeah, good you enough to be state champion. Some you, you gotta know? beat so. you gotta beat teams at a certain point, yep. anyway. So you so, know, yeah. you know. Um, you know, looking uh, any anything else in Division One for on the girls' side that really stood out to you? Uh, you know, I did see um, coming down here before or before doing this tonight. Uh, had a chance to go up and see uh, Manchester Central play Merrimack in what was a crazy back and forth game. There um, combined thirty three goals between the two teams. Central wins seventeen uh, sixteen. Uh, both teams missing kids due to again vacation week. Um, I feel like a broken record saying that, but <laughs> it is the case for a lot of teams. Um, you know, it was very entertaining. First time I've seen either team in a regular season game this year, and I was very impressed by both of them. Um, you know, and I, I think that's, I mean, that's going to, that's a big win for Central, uh, especially coming off of the two games they'd had previously. Um, they had given up, I think, a combined 44 goals in the last two games against, I want to say, Bedford and Londonderry. Um, you know, so to come back and and only give up 16, um, 
you know, was it was a pretty big. Merrimack got a, a quite a few of those goals, you know, late in the second half to get back in the game. Um, you know, so before that, it looked like they were going to give up less than that. But it was, um, you know, I'm interested to see what happens with both of those teams down the stretch. I got to imagine that both are going to be fighting for those, you know, final four, three or four playoff spots. I think that's going to be the, the really, you know, as much as we want to, you know, we'll see where everybody winds up in those top four and five seeds. I think you've got maybe five teams, probably battling more, for battling that. for the final three spots. you got Merrimack Central, South, Lundary. Um, I think Concord's in the mix there. Uh, I know I'm, I'm probably forgetting someone else. I don't have it right in front of me right now. But, you know, it's going to be a, a real fight to the finish, um, you know, coming down the last four weeks here. You know, and I think on the D2 side, we've been we've been talking about there's a big three in, in Division One, and, and possibly a big four now that, now that Sauhegan has shown what they can do. Um, you know, I think obviously we talked about Portsmouth and Winnicunit. Um, you know, I think we're going to find out pretty quickly is Hollis Brookline in that in that conversation there with their game coming up on Monday at Winnicunit. Um, you know, Hanover off to a little bit of a slow start. I think that's a team that people thought coming into the year uh, could possibly make some noise in Division Two. You know, they've played Portsmouth and Winnicunit and, and given up a lot of goals uh, there. But I think that's a team that could start to uh, to to right the ship as the season goes on. But they're testing themselves, too. They're playing up. They've got Londonderry, Bishop Girton, and Pinkerton on their schedule. So, you know, they may not – they may be a team that may not have the highest seed. They've got another game with Winnicunit, but probably a team that, you know, you may not want to see in maybe a quarterfinal matchup uh, or even earlier. Yeah, that is um – it's a daunting team schedule. That I, yeah, that I was, I, you know, they, they come down here, don't come down here too frequently, so I was hoping to get out to that Londonderry game on Saturday, the BG game on Monday. Um, you know, they did the same challenge themselves really last year, and, and I think it kind of cost them. They ended up, I want to say, as the seventh seed, which meant they had to play Portsmouth in the, in the opening round. Um, you know, so it, it, it should be interesting to see where they end up. They've got one of the, probably the top, not just lacrosse players, but top athletes in the state and, and Maddie McCorkle. Uh, who I believe is committed to Duke um, as a, a junior. Um, you know, she helped lead the basketball team to a championship this past winter. Um, so I'm, re I'm really interested to see them. And, of course, Londonderry, as we said, was a, a team that's in the mix. They, they've um, got an extremely tough schedule. They've got Portsmouth twice. They've got Winnicunit twice. They've got BG, Pinkerton, Londonderry, Wyndham. Uh, you know, just they've got Wyndham twice. Uh Hollis Brookline in there, so they're they're a team that they they've got to get some they've got to get some wins. They've got to make sure that they they get some of those wins in there to, in order to qualify for the playoffs. But again, it's going to be a team that's battle tested and probably not one that uh, too many teams are going to want to see early on there. Any uh, any other thoughts on uh, what's been going on the last week before we well, uh, we wrap up? Just taking a quick look on the on the D three side for for the girls there. Uh, you know, Derryfield off to a hot start. Starting 4-0 and in the season here with, uh, you know, impressive offensive performances uh, with Shauna Lemery's and Net only giving up uh, about three goals a game or less right now. Uh, and then, you know, looming large there, we've got we've got Hopkinton sitting at 4-0 and as well. So I think, you know, a showdown, a showdown coming eventually there between those two teams. Um, they look like they play on on May sixth. Yeah, uh, you actually have hosting. a you have a doubleheader that day. Uh, you do. guys play at four against Oyster River. Uh, girls followed up at six o'clock. So uh, should a fun, be a fun day. Be a fun night there. Yeah, I uh, I will be planning planning on being there unless you know something crazy. We get a a, a rainstorm like we we're supposed to get this week. Uh, 
you know, I think the other team in Division Three that everybody's keeping their eye on right now is Pelham. Pelham coming out of the gate there with a really high-powered offense, uh, you know, scoring double digits in every single one of their game and, and giving up single digits in every one of their game there, too. Uh, and it, it appears right now that, uh, that Kearsarge is playing pretty well, too. So, um, you know, uh, I, think, I think the D3 landscape is shaping up sort of a, a big four there as well. Um, Laconia maybe not quite where they've been the last couple of years. Yeah, I'm wondering some really um, close games. Some close games. Losing to uh, Milford by one, beating Pembroke by one. Uh, you know, Pembroke a good team too. That's scoring. Pembroke coming down from Division Two. They they put up some big numbers there. I know they did lose a couple of of quality seniors from last year's team. Laconia uh, did. Um, so maybe it's just taking some time to kind of um, get the pieces to fit together. Yep. Um, you know, and I guess maybe that's you know the the upside to you know, not getting out on your field right away and, and having some games, post games postponed is that, you know, at this point you've only played three games and you got plenty of time to still uh, figure some things out and, uh, and turn things around. Absolutely. Time will tell as well. You know, Bo's off to, Bo's off to a very good start there. Uh, you know, they won both of their first two games. Uh, they've got a big stretch off in between their vacation week and then probably some canceled games. Uh, but they look good in their opening two wins over Lebanon and Trinity. All right. Well, he is Dairy Field coach uh, Chris Hetler. Chris, thanks again for joining me. And, uh, Joe, always good. Hopefully, we'll get those games in on Friday, and uh, you know, we'll go from there. Fingers crossed, and and looking forward to talking about it again next week. Uh, I am Joe Marcellina. Thanks again for listening. <laughs>